And a very pleasant good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of JMU Sound Off. We've been back uh, after being off for a couple of weeks, but got a really, really good discussion tonight. We've got Brad Burgess from JMU ticketing off as Scooter Rankin and Joe Shoker for a wide-ranging discussion uh, on a number of topics related to both ticketing uh, as well as JMU Duke Club giving. We know there's a lot of questions as we approach the season ticket renewal um, process, as many of us are starting to think what our plans are for next season. So we're going to get into that with all of them. We're going to also look at the L. Alpha Dogs program with it being 10 years uh, of that program's existence. So really, really great insight on all of that, plus a lot of discussion about what's been another big week in JMU Athletics. Uh, but before we bring in the other members of our team, as always, want to thank our sponsors from the Montpelier Collective. Uh, to learn more about the collective, as always, MontpelierCollective.com. And our friends from Skyline Financial Partners, uh, as always, thank you to Tim and his team for their uh, support of our program, for allowing us to bring this program to you each and every week. And with that, bring in the other guys from the show, Michael Evangelista, Steve Brown, and Taylor Atkins. Guys, um, a big, big week for Jamie Athletics. The Dukes picking up their 24th win of the season, um, breaking a record for the program uh, last night uh, at the Atlantic Union Bank Center, ending our home slate for 2024. Um, a big crowd on hand for that game. Just a really great celebration for the seniors as well in that. Um, lots of other news in Jamie Athletics with softball, lacrosse, um, baseball on the road, getting a big win at Arkansas. So lots of happening, but we did want to write off the top of the show uh, because the other big news this week was the uh, announcement of the death of legendary coach at JMU, Lefty Dryzel, um, a man who's uh, really fingerprints and, and legacy all over this athletic department, uh, especially the the success of the JMU basketball program, what it meant for the entirety of JMU athletics for getting fans engaged. And I want to come, uh, Taylor, you put out uh, a tweet about your personal interactions uh, with Coach Dryzel, and I just wanted to go to you um, so you can kind of highlight some of the things that you said in that in that post and, and maybe then get your thoughts on um, on the passing of, of Lefty, but also his his impact on this program and what it will mean for for decades to come. Yeah, I had a chance to interact with him mainly when I worked at JMU. Uh, he made it to a couple games up in Harrisonburg. He would be at a lot of our games in Old Dominion because he lived in Virginia Beach. Um, a lot of my family and friends in Virginia Beach, we had some common friends with Lefty, so you'd see him out at some events down there. Um, but he was such a, just a legend. I mean, he was one of those iconic figures that was a little bit larger than life. And I know I've said it a lot of times in the podcast and people give me a hard time, but I'm going to say it again. I grew up in Virginia Beach as an old Dominion fan. I went to every CAA tournament with my family from late 80s until 2013. We moved to Texas. And so, but for most of that, I was an old Dominion fan. And I remember Lefty. I remember, I, I believe it was JMU. They might have been playing Wilmington or somebody, but the student section playing opposite of Lefty, they had all put on these bald skull caps um, to make fun of him and were, and were mocking him and everything. And, um, but he was just one of those larger than life figures. And it was kind of cool. I remember being, uh, you know, uh, elementary, middle school age and going to the CA tournament and thinking how cool it was that he was at JMU. And, uh, but he, what he meant to the game of basketball, I think I grew to appreciate kind of the older I got and the better, deeper understanding of college basketball. And um, the, the picture I shared was, in 2018, when I was still working at UTSA, uh, San Antonio hosted the Final Four, and in 2018 was the announcement of his induction, not to, he'd already been in the College Basketball Hall of Fame, but this was to be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame, and they were honoring all of the inductees for 2018 at halftime of one of the games, 
and uh, I knew he was there somewhere and was just hoping to run into him. And there was an event where at one of the hotels, uh, got a chance to talk to him. And we must have talked for 10 or 15 minutes. He had a ton of people waiting to talk to him. But he sat there. And when he found out that uh, I went to JMU, I mean, his face kind of lit up. And he just started sharing story after story. It's kind of like when you talk to Mickey Matthews sometimes when we were at Coastal Carolina. He just had a lot of joy to kind of just talk about um, – just the game of basketball and, and the legacy that he left. So uh, I'll end with uh, that. I always really will cherish that picture. And I think that picture, I didn't know it was being taken. It was kind of a candid shot. You can see kind of the expression on my face and his as we were talking and um, just really appreciate what he did for uh, Jamie basketball and what he did for the, for the game of basketball itself. And Steve, uh, <clears throat> coach Rezel won 159 games during his tenure at JMU. What I noticed yesterday uh, once the announcement was made, is if there's a big media figure in the world of college athletics, in the basketball world, they mentioned his death and and were um, effusive in their praise of him and effusive of his legacy. Um, you're somebody who also spent some time uh, with Coach Drizel and somebody who's been very open about um, kind of living through the the electric zoo. And and we all know the, the importance not only of the electric zoo to JMU basketball, but um, how many of those traditions have now become staples at other JMU athletics events with the with the streamers and and everything that came from that. Um, when you heard the news, I'm just curious um, where your mind went to, but also how you'll remember Coach Dreisel and his lasting impact on this program. Uh, one of the kindest people um, that I've run into, and the story I can tell you is that in 1991, we were living in Connecticut, and Jamie was playing Providence in NIT, and I contacted him because I'd talked to him when he was first hired at JMU and kept in touch with him, and I said, hey, we're going to come over to Providence, and he goes, you're going to be behind the bench. Um, just make sure you're not sitting anywhere near one of the tall guys so you can see. <laughs> I'm like, well, which guy am I not going to sit behind that's not tall? Um, I mean, he was great. So we were right behind the bench. They lost nine, We lost 98-93 in a great game, and that's back in the heyday of Providence when Providence was, was really good. Um, he was just like – I mean, he was very keyed in to helping the academic side at JMU. He was very keyed in to making sure that everything was successful at JMU. Um, he was a piece of work. I mean, he just – he always was. He was just a blast to talk to. He was always very supportive. Loved being at JMU the time he was there. Um, and so I think we had him in kind of a golden age, and it, it really kind of helped elevate JMU. We kind of had the elevation in the early 80s. Then we kind of went on a bit of a, you know, hiatus. I won't, you know, we, Lou Campanelli left, and it was kind of – and then he came in and kind of elevated us again. I mean, we won uh, five season championships in a row, 89 to 94. Um, so we had five regular season championships. The aggravating part about that team is that we were in such a bad league is that you had to win the tournament to go to the NCAA. You had to win the um, the, C the CA tournament to go. And I think he had a lot of those teams were like 20, you know, 25 and two or something. And we still wouldn't be able to go to the NCAA tournament. So that was frustrating. And it's um, it's part of the frustration I have now with the Sun Belt. But I think the Sun Belt will come back much quicker than the CAA will. So um, was sad to hear it. Know that he was in failing health. That he'd had some you know health issues for the last couple of years. But, um, you know, was was sad to hear it. But he's also, you know, one of the people that helped elevate us during. It's one of those things I, I put it on Facebook today. Um, was talking with somebody on Facebook about, you know, where JMU is in levels. And he was at a launching point. Um, during that time, he was able to bring tons of teams in to play at JMU that we never would have gotten to come to JMU because he's lefty. 
And so when Lefty calls, you show up. And so somebody, David Mayer, just put on here that, you know, we had the midnight Richmond game at home and UNLV and Tark, you know, Tarkanian showed up in Harrisonburg. There's no way any of that stuff would have ever happened if it wasn't Lefty. And Lefty could pick the phone up. And if he asked you to come, the answer was yes, sir. When do you want me there? So that's what I remember about it. And, and Michael, to bring you in on this, you know, you talk a lot about the, the concept of an everything school. Uh, and, and I'm a big believer that, you know, the, the foundationals of success and coach buying to mention this when he joined it, you know, when football has success, it, it bleeds into other sports. You have to wonder if our athletic department is anywhere near where we are today um, without the success of that basketball program. Uh, when coach Dreisel was uh, leading it because it, it was the fuel that, that ignited passion in JMU athletics for um, so many of the people who are, you know, listen to this show and, and are the donors who we'll talk about in a few minutes with Scooter and Brad, who have been longtime season ticket holders. Did they develop that passion? for JMU athletics without the success uh, of that program I, for at least from my opinion the answer to that question is probably no so as somebody who's very connected to the um the current state of JMU athletics I, I have a feeling that's probably where your mind went to is just uh that the foundation for success was laid by not only him but others uh, in the early eras of this uh, athletics department yeah no doubt I was gonna say like since I stepped on campus in 2008 I felt that lefty was the legacy that he had is something that we as a university as a program has been trying to chase ever since like his era jmu turned into a basketball school like you guys talk about duke coming in and i think unc and richmond like all, all these amazing programs coming to jmu i think that was a function of him and being able to build that culture so i felt that we've been chasing sort of that lore ever since and I even think now, right, We 24 wins. I think we either tied or set a, re a record, win record there. Like, we're, we're, we're almost, I think we're still chasing it, right? Like, I think we're almost at the crisp. But, like, when you look at, as someone who's a bit of a nerd around basketball and just, like, sports in general, you think of, I think he invented, like, Mark, Midnight Madness, right? Like, starting uh, practice for basketball season at midnight. When you think of, like, Bobby Knight, Deaton Smith, you think of Lefty at the same in that same sort of conversation, um, coach the 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 late Len Bias, right? That that incredible story, like, um, leaves an all time legacy. So if you're either nerd like me when you're into sports, or you're looking at sort of the foundation of JMU basketball, um, you can't have that conversation without him. But in that same vein, about around everything school, John, I think we didn't give a shout out to the swim and dive team. They won the Sun Belt Championship exactly. for the first time. So I. I want to give them their props as well to keep the everything school theme alive. Awesome. Well, if you're watching this show and you're somebody who has a, a memory of Coach Trizel or, or, or you want to post a comment, um, please leave a comment in the, in the chat and we'll, we'll feature him throughout the broadcast. But also, uh, we just want to send our best from the podcast uh, and the entire Jamie Athletics community to not only his family, friends, uh, but anybody who was touched and impacted his former players, um, anyone who's been uh, impacted positively by Coach Trizel, our, our thoughts are with you and, and all the best. And and again, we'll, we'll I think it's fitting that um, we're having this discussion about Coach Drizel during, at least as my time as a fan, the most successful JMU basketball season um, that I've witnessed. And I, I think that's a, just a, a testament uh, to his legacy and the impact that he had on JMU athletics. But with that, we will transition because we have to because this is a sports show. Um, as we mentioned earlier, we wanted to bring on um, both Scooter Rankin and Brad Burgess with it. 
being uh, a time of year with Giving Day coming up this week on Thursday, uh, but also the conversation happening around season ticket renewals. And, and we know that there are a lot of questions in the JMU fan base, uh, and we thought it would be best uh, for you to hear that directly from uh, the people who are the experts on this topic. Uh, and with that, we're going to bring in Scooter and Brad, who are uh, kind of in the same room today in a little uh, odd couple setup. I'm not sure what's going on, but they're they're sharing a laptop. <laughs> Jamie only issues one laptop per staff group. You know, so guys, well, we you're, you're being good stewards of the donor dollar today uh, with, with the one right. laptop. So um, I, I'm going to throw you a, the softball of softball questions to start off because I think it really actually is incredibly relevant to the discussion we're going to have today. It's been uh, an unprecedented year of success for Jamie Athletics. Uh, Kevin Warner posting a tweet earlier today that I think really summed it up. Um, defeating five ranked teams in the top five this year. Men's soccer with the win over number one UCF. Uh, men's soccer over number three Georgetown. We had men's basketball with their win over number five Michigan State. Um, lacrosse beating uh, number three UNC. And then baseball today um, beating uh, number three Arkansas on the road. That type of success for this program on top of uh, another college game day appearance um the multiple uh, appearances across the espn family of networks um more eyeballs than ever before on jamie athletics and that has potential um to lead to unprecedented donations for athletics department in terms of financial support uh but also increased ticket sales when we've already seen it was a record-breaking year for uh, ticket sales in both Bridge Force Stadium as well as the Atlantic Union Bank Center. So, Scooter, to you, and then Brad, you could touch on it from your perspective. Um, what a year for JMU Athletics, and what what has that done for your teams in terms of putting wind in their sails uh, and to, to really build upon this unprecedented success uh, so that we can sustain this going into the future? Yeah, Jonathan. I mean, you guys were talking earlier about the everything school. Um, you know, I've been – Brad and I – uh, we like to say, as we're now sitting together here, we, <laughs> we started the same day uh, back in 2017. And in my tenure here, this fall was just ab absolutely mirac miraculous. I mean, just a, you know, truly special fall that, um, you know, you saw the engagement, you saw the energy. Um, we felt it, you know, as, as a Duke Club staff and the conversations we have, we're always talking JMU. So, um, just watching that energy build with those wins, um, watch our, our, our fan base grow, watch donations come in just randomly uh, with the score of the games. I mean, we see that all the time. It's a, it was just an unbelievable fall, and, and winter has, has, has shown that to be uh, the same. And then spring with the, with the baseball win, with softball, uh, had a great weekend as well. I mean, this is just – it's the best time to be a Duke. It's always a great time to be a Duke, but this – this energy um, and watching our donor base get around this, uh, get around our student athletes, our coaches. I feel like the engagement there has been even, has been better than ever before too, with our student athletes connecting with our donors and our coaches connecting with our donors. So, I've just I've loved every bit of it. I've loved the conversations I've had, and uh, I'm just excited to see what the spring brings. And then obviously, um, you know, with the basketball programs um, making a charge here and heading to Pensacola in a couple of weeks. So just there's just so much great energy and, and it's it's always been that way but this has just been something different and uh i'm i'm lucky to be a part of it uh with the duke club and, and get to work with so many great people and uh my staff has 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 loved the uh the fun conversations the day after games we we get a lot of calls and and we call a lot of folks and it's just uh the energy is is special uh so i've really enjoyed that well and i scooter and brad i really appreciate you all taking the time to speak with us tonight 
I've known both of you all for over a decade now as colleagues. And I just want to say to anyone listening to this, um, every time you've had a question or you've made a social media post and you're kind of wondering why the, the Duke Club is doing this, the ticket office is doing this, I'm telling you, the two guys that you see on the screen right now, if you're watching this, the two guys that you uh, can hear if you're listening to this, uh, they bleed purple and they care about this in a way that um, the attention to detail and customer service you all provide. Um, so I just want to say kudos and I want to say to anyone listening, reach out to their office if you ever have any questions about um, really anything and go to the source for the information. You know, because yeah. um, a lot of times rumors get started and they snowball and uh, go to the source. But so speaking of misconceptions, Scooter, my first question is going to be to you. What are some of the biggest misconceptions you feel people have about um, the fundraising efforts in the Duke Club? And I'll even kind of lead you on, lead you a little bit and say, um, getting people to recognize the role they can play as a Duke Club member, as a supporter of JMU Athletics, and that it's not always who can put their name on a building. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question, Taylor. And, and I think the biggest misconception is that I have the, the donor feels they have to give a million dollars to make an impact. And that's just not the case. Um, you know, I, I was going to talk about talk about that engagement and that and uh, the support we've seen this past fall. I mean, we're up almost twelve hundred donors from where we were last year at this time. I mean, just unbelievable. Um, but that's every dollar matters. Every every bit of that. I mean, I, I've been preaching that since I started here and and you see it, it's grown each and every year. We've we've hit record breaking years every year we've been, uh, uh, I've been a part of the Duke Club, Brad was a part of the Duke Club. Um, those, that's because the the involvement, we have more donors than we've ever had. We're, we're shooting for 6,000 donors this year. Um, when we started, we weren't even sniffing that number. Uh, right. It was drive for five was our, was our, our calling card. Um, so the misconception is, you know, my, 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 $75, my $25 doesn't make an impact. No, it goes to the collective, uh, the collective group. I don't want to use the term collective, uh, too often, <laughs> but, uh, it, it goes to support our student athletes and our coaches and every, every dollar matters. And, uh, it supports our student athletes, their scholarship bill, our operating budget. Uh, the price of, of, of everything has gone up. Uh, and we have to travel further than we ever have. Our, our coaches need to recruit further than they ever have. So those those dollars go to support that. And uh, I, I wish I could make a phone call to every donor uh, and every alum over 180,000 and say your 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 dollar matters. And, uh, you know, that's that's on me to try to figure out how to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's a big misconception for us. Well, and, and Brad, to you, I mean, we're, we're talking about the uh, you know, the revenue that comes in from donations, but I want to kind of give you the opportunity to kind of address the revenue that is generated both from men's and women's basketball and, and what, what a football season can kind of bring in, you know, what, what do those dollars look like over the course of a season? And also, um, just kind of stress the importance of not only making those donations, but making it a priority to kind of schedule a couple of weekends to get to Harrisonburg and, and to become a ticket holder and what that, what that revenue provides for the athletic department. Absolutely. And, and you know, it goes hand in hand. Uh, what, what Scooter's doing and making sure our, our Duke club grows in, in donors and engagement, um, it, it's all one in the same. When you come out to a game, you're supporting in that way. 
Uh, so it's extremely important, you know, give to the Duke club as well as looking at when can I come out? Can I come to single game? Does that single game turn into a couple games and uh, so on and so forth into season ticket holder? Um, and the, the revenue that comes in has grown exponentially with this transition to FBS football, uh, as well as, you know, this year being a ranked men's team and having a lot of success on the, the women's side uh, over the years as well. And, you know, we're talking about numbers with basketball is right around half a million dollars uh, coming in for both men and women you know, collectively. Um, and then for, for football, we're talking about three and a half uh, to, to almost four million dollars. And, you know, that's where we're growing towards uh, for single game and season tickets collectively. Um, that's huge. I mean, that has been a, a, a big lift in the last couple of years. And we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars of increase um, from this transition alone. Uh, and that's just an exciting thing to be a part of. And uh, to answer kind of the, the original question of JMU and being here, I like to tell my staff all the time, you know, ticket offices and athletic departments would love to have one of the things that we have going on here at JMU. Uh, and we have multiple. Um, so I just tell them to kind of take a step back and, and realize how special of a time this is for them and um, that, you know, you might not get this ever again. So it's lightning in a bottle and let's keep going with it. And uh, we know we're going to continue that success in a lot of different ways, but I love being a Duke, love being here. That's amazing. Let, let's let's dive into that a little bit more, right? Like we talk about JMU being the most engaged university. Um, selfishly, as a, as a 2012 grad, that's seen like the recent explosion of the athletics program. It's truly been like a rocket ship from like the national championships, like the college game days, the move to the Sun Belt, you name it. Talk about like the increase of younger donors in the engagement of maybe the 2012, 2009 and, and over, right. And, and later on classes and how the culture has shifted due to the success of like the athletic program, uh, maybe not just in the past year, but maybe in the last two to three years. I'm not, I'm not sure if we can talk specifics, but I'd love to mm -hmm. hear like how that has shifted over like the last few years or so. Yeah. And Mike, I think the, the big thing that I've seen in my in my time here, um, and then obviously being at JMU back in 08, 09, is is in many ways, and, and you guys could correct me wrong and say that that it's not true, but I, I've looked at it as over the course of, of my seven years here, I've seen JMU go from a lot of folks secondary fan or team. Yeah. You know, they they grew up, they loved UVA, they loved tech, they you know, they were, they were, they were tied to the, to the commanders or they were tied in it. And what I've seen is their team is JMU. And to speak to that, I think the younger donors, they, they, they kind of, they relate to JMU. That's their, that's their school. That's their, that's their pro team. That's who they root for. That's the, that's the games they're going to because that feeds into Brad. I think we're seeing more and more young al alumni come back to games than ever before. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen that with, with donations, I think, JMU's, you know, obviously we're on the map and we're and we're making a name for ourselves as as we've continued to do over the course of time here. But I think I'm seeing that that we're seeing that young that young alumni base really really support and come back and get back to Harrisonburg. And obviously there's great things going on. It's a great product, you know. Um, but I I am seeing that engagement better than ever. Um, so that's been really really cool to see, and it's and it's really important to our to our our numbers and and raising money. That's a it's a big chunk of our, of our donor base. Um, so I I've seen that Mike, it's been really, really special. Um, but I think it's, it's because the Jamie brand is so strong. The product is so great. 
and and it's it's you know it's their it's their um it's what they want to do on the weekends it's what they want to watch and and a quick point to that too um when you think about the younger crowd you also have to think about their their parents and their families so maybe sure. their families didn't go to jmu but their their child did and they've engaged in that so much over the four years or so that their kids were in school that now they love it too. And, and now they've adopted. So you're seeing it in two different ways, both the young alum wanting to come back, but now they've engaged their entire family, whether or not they went to JMU. And, and I think that's a huge piece of what I'm hearing too. I kid graduated, but I'm going to keep my season tickets because this is awesome. We love it here. Uh, and it's the greatest atmosphere. Um, and they want to continue that. So. Well, going to our everything school, I was just looking on Twitter and I saw our varsity club lacrosse guys beat number nine, Georgia, 10 to eight. Here we um, go. So we're just smacking everybody no matter what, <laughs> what, no matter what it is. So it's, it's kind of fun. Um, let me hit on a couple things with you guys. And, you know, again, appreciate you guys coming on on a Sunday night. I know it's, you know, not, not always ideal, but, you know, a lot of people are listening and was talking to some people last night at the game. The atmosphere last night was, was great. Um, in the arena, it was, um, that's the loudest I remember it being since the UVA game. Um, and it was, it was loud and it was fun and it was, there was a lot of people there. So it was, it was yep. a blast. Um, and thank you for what you guys do. Cause I know it's an unsung uh, job, both of you. Cause I know it's usually people are, are whining about something that you're doing and supposed to, you know, telling you that you've done something good. Um, I guess one of the things I was going to ask is I hear this from some people. Um, and I think it's some of, some of it's an educational piece, but you know, JMU has got a ton of money. And so if I don't give, um, what's the big deal? The university will just make it up. Um, can you guys speak to that part that there's not this pot of gold that um, sitting under the Hillcrest house that Dr. Carrier left for us? We don't kind of, it's not Gringotts. We can't go down there into the, uh, into the bowels of that thing and got to get a bunch of gold coins just so people yeah. understand that if we don't get, if we don't hit different goals, then we, we have some issues. So I'll just let you, Scooter, you can talk about that. And then I'll have a question for Brad on some ticketing or he can talk about that too. Yes, the, the great Harry Potter reference there, man. So, um, yeah, no, no Gringotts on on the campus here. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think yeah, this is a misconception. JMU's beautiful. You know, you, you drive around, you see the facilities. Um, you know, it's it's you know, obviously the landscaping is 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 beautiful. Um, the the reality is we have a, a very serious financial headwind in, in athletics that we're facing, and what I think folks don't know is the athletic scholarship bill for our student athletes is over $11 million plus, and that rises every year inflation that, that goes up. Um, and for what I, what we raise in the Duke club, the proud and true fund, as well as when I, and I wanted to mention this, the Duke club seat contribution, which is tied to our, our football season tickets and, and men's basketball season tickets is, is, is part of our annual fund. And that is a big supporter. So that is where season tickets are very, very important to, uh, to our annual fund. But, we're trying to hit, you know, $4.8 million. We're not, we're not going to, you know, we're not, we're not at hitting $11 million and, and, and fully supporting the Duke club, Duke club fully supporting our scholarship bill. So we have to make up for that with student fees, other, other forms of revenue, but that is, that is the reality of what we, we face. You know, I, I'd love to have, we're raising $11 million plus every year, but we're, we're not, we're not hitting that gap yet. So there's, that's when I talk about every dollar, every donor matters. That's what's going to help us get there. 180,000 plus alumni. And, and, you know, we know the, the, the percentages and I, and I know it's everybody's gets sick when we hear them is, is the seven, eight, 9% of alumni give back. That's, that's not enough. That's not going to cut it to get, to get into that, uh, to close that gap. And I think that is a misconception. And, and this move to the Sunbelt, you know, I said, 
we had to raise a lot of money to make this move, right? We had a, uh, a, a financial headwind there. Two-year transition, yeah, we're, we're, we're FBS and, and we've made the Sunbelt move. The financial, uh, you know, what we what we face there is not over. That transition is not done. So we have a lot of work to do. And we, we and that's where I, you know, I, I obviously you can see I'm, I'm passionate about it. We have, you know, we, we have a lot of work to do in educating that. And I think that's that's why that question is great, Steve. We got a long way to go. Um, and that's why every donor matters. Every dollar matters. And same thing on the ticketing side, Brad. I mean, we need people to come out to these events. I mean, yeah, ESPN Plus is great. But at the end of the day, we need to fill the AUBC. We need to continue to fill Bridgeforth. And can you kind of give folks kind of an idea of, you know, how your office is extremely flexible. And I don't think people understand how easy it is to work with ticketing. Um, so just give people kind of an inside piece on that and then let people know, you know, please get to Harrisonburg. If you can't get to every game, come to a game. Um, your ticket office works really well with people. And, you know, just chat a little bit about, you know, trying to get people in there and, and how easy it is and flexible it is to work with you guys. Right. You know, it's the atmosphere. Um, yes, you can watch a game on TV. It's the comfort of your home. But coming to Bridgeforth, coming to the AUBC or any one of our venues, um, it's the atmosphere that creates the memories and the moments that you have. And remembering I was there during this game or or whatever it may be, um, that's important to, to our fans. And it's important to our student athletes because they feed off of that. You can tell when the AUBC is rocking, when Bridgeforth is rocking, how our team is reacting to that. They know that we're behind them. Uh, and you feel that as a fan. I mean, I've we, we spent a lot of time in the back uh, in a ticket office and don't always get to be you know in the stadium or, or hear things. But uh, I make a point to, to go out there and just feel the energy of all of our venues uh, when we're in a game, especially a big game, uh, because there's nothing like it. Uh, so I would encourage everyone if they haven't been back in a while to, to experience that because it's incredible. Uh, and then if you've not been in the, the Atlantic Union Bank Center, it is an unbelievable venue. Uh, and it gets loud in there with just a couple thousand. So just imagine 7,000, 8,000 people in there. Uh, it, it's incredible and it's incredibly loud. And the students get in it and they're, they're passionate about uh, both sports. But with basketball, you're so close to the action. I think that's a really cool element, uh, bringing back that electric zoo feel uh, that I think a lot of people knew and, and loved when they were here. Um, but as far as coming to us, we are open, uh, at, you know, nine to five every weekday and, and uh, on game days. And we want to answer your questions and we want to make sure we're providing the best customer service possible. Uh, I have been short staffed over the last uh, you know, year or so, but we're getting there and, and we're upping our training and all the things with our students. It's a lot of information. But, you know, we feel confident that we have the ability to, to answer what you need. And we want to be able to be transparent and walk you through uh, all the questions that you have. Uh, and I can you know, answer a little about this later, but the secondary market and us being very uh, popular and selling out games, uh, there's a lot of layers to this. And ticketing can be a tough, uh, you know, thing to navigate when you maybe aren't uh, regularly coming to games or understanding price points and and what people are out there to do. I hate to say it, but there's a lot of people out there in the internet just trying to make a, a, a quick buck. And if you go to the wrong site or the, the wrong information, you may be paying a lot of money. And uh, we certainly want to guide you in the right way to make sure you're having a, a good experience through the ticket purchase all the way uh, you know through the game. So please call us, call me directly, whatever it may be. I'm happy to answer those questions and, and get you out to a game. Well, there's a way for people out there if they want to make sure they've secured themselves some tickets is you join the Duke Club and you up your giving. 
Um, and you got a wait list now. Yeah. Um, I, how long is the wait list massive or is it, you know, I don't know how long it is. Is it? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, and I will, I'll preface this with, it's all in perspective of, of what those individuals want. So it's really hard to, to understand okay. it, but, uh, we're about 500 people on that wait list, uh, which wow. equates to, you know, almost 1500 tickets. Um, and again, you don't know if other season ticket holders that didn't put in a wait list because they already have tickets are going to add a seat. Uh, and, and what that all shakes up to be or, or if those seats are going to be picked up in the club versus picked up in public three, public two. Um, so there's a lot of layers to that. But but that's a fairly long wait list. And um, that's something that that I'm excited about. You know, we want that demand um, and we want to be able to help those people. But uh, we just don't know what that's going to look like just yet. And the best way to to grow uh, in you know getting your up that ladder on that wait list is uh getting more priority and giving to the Duke club. So it all goes hand in hand. Um, I will mention how the wait list works. Um, essentially, we will go off a of priority order. So my example is typically if you're uh, a top 10 donor but did not have a season ticket last year, uh, you would get that slot at 10 uh, if you were to come in and ask for new season tickets. Now, that doesn't mean you get to take somebody's because it is a renewal year. It's not a full reseeding year. Uh, it just means that you would get the first crack at anyone that had um, in that top 10 that had released some seats or did not renew. And so that will work its way down. Every single person will get a selection time because, again, I can't tell you if if there's only club seats left, if, if that's what's going to go or if there's only public three seats left. Um, we want to make sure that we allow the last person until the last seat is taken. It does not matter where that falls. Uh, everyone will have a selection time that's on the wait list and it'll be based off of Duke Club priority. So this is the time, people. Um, you saw two years of great football pieces. This is only going to get better in the Chesney era. So now is the time to start giving. Um, we'll talk about giving day in a little bit, but I know Jonathan's going to ask you some stuff about it in a minute. But this is the time to get your gift in. Give more than you think you probably should if you want to move up on the waiting list. Or if you just want to move into another part, this is the time. Because as football continues to do well and as Chesney takes us up into the stratosphere where, where we're going, um, you're going to wish you started giving in 2024 if you're not giving now. So this is the time and Scooter and his staff is ready. You know, Brad and his staff, they're ready to roll. And I'll ask one more question of Scooter and I was going to say, Hey, if we got to 10,000 Duke club members and 10 million bucks a year, um, you're getting close to paying for all those scholarships. Um, mm -hmm. is that how we can, if somebody, somebody asked me this yesterday at the basketball game, they're like, mm -hmm. how do we add men's lacrosse? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I, don't ask me that. Go talk to Scooter. Go talk to Jeff Bourne. I don't know. Well, but I said, yeah. I imagine we're going to have to raise some money because for Title IX, we got to add another women's sport because we have to name same number of scholarships. So I know we could probably add beach volleyball because they have that in the Sun Belt. I said, but, you know, if we get to, you know, those types of numbers and we have that kind of money coming in, my question to them was, how much money are you going to give to do it? Yeah. And they're like, well, I, I'd write a big check. I said, then go talk to Scooter. So yeah. I'll ask you about, if we had 10,000 members and 10 million bucks. What can you do with that type of money um, as, well, with the athletic budget? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's massive. I mean, I, I think talking about the scholarship bill, if we could, you know, the Duke club could fully fund that scholarship bill, that would be uh, uh, unbelievable. I mean, that's, that's where every, then the additional revenue we can, we can use uh, to support our student athletes even more. Um, and when you, you know, you talk about there's, there's multiple funds. We, 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 you know, when you support the Duke Club, there's multiple things you can do. We have our annual fund, we have our our, our capital fund, which is is for building great uh, facilities and infrastructure 
for our student athletes and coaches. Um, you have endowments. There's so many things that you can support with the Duke Club. That Proud and True Fund is our lifeblood that supports our our scholarship bill. With 10,000 donors, Steve, we uh, we're we're going to separate ourselves in a, in a massive way um, from our peers. Uh, and I think it's it's very possible. Uh, obviously, I, I talked about that 180,000 alumni. It, we can we can accomplish 10,000 donors and, and beyond. And the, the, the truth is it, it, you know, it's, it's going to rise all ships if we can, if we can get more and more donors on board uh, and our, our student athletes are going to be better for it. Our coaches are going to be better for it because um, the, the price of success is not cheap. And uh, the price of, of, of what we want to accomplish is going up each and every year. And that's why we, we set uh, lofty goals at the Duke club at the ticket office. Cause uh, we believe in our, our donor base, our fan base will get around it and support it. So, um, I'm confident we can do that. Hey, Scooter. Um, I, I don't know if you can see the, the question on the screen, but but one of the questions from Facebook is from Chris is, is what are we doing to try to, to, to increase that seven to 9% giving number? What, what are some of the strategies that your team's employing? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the outreach, the communication, we're, we're trying to continue to educate what it means to support our, our student athletes. And I think what's really important is, is to have donor student athlete interaction. So, you know, there's a face to the name uh, that you're supporting. Um, I think sometimes it can feel like for some folks, it just feels like you're just throwing money and you hear Proud and True Fund. It's an annual gift. Maybe you're thinking about parking and you're not thinking about the student athlete and the coach and what it's supporting. So what I'm trying to do is get more and more folks in front of our student athletes, more videos from our student athletes, more videos from our coaches. I think that that content and, and that interaction with our donors is really, really important. Now, and Brad talked about being understaffed. I'm understaffed right now. I, I don't have a, a full fundraising uh, team right now. I have a great two great development officers and Jared Lowry and, and Dylan Thomas. Um, but we got to cover a lot of ground. You know, the Dukes are everywhere, all across the country, uh, all across the world. Um, and I, I think, you know, I wish I could take everybody for a cup of coffee or lunch and talk to them about all the awesome things going on. Uh, but I don't have the bandwidth for that. Um, but I, but I think it's so important that interaction, that education of what it means to support um, our, our student athletes and coaches, and what are they doing daily, and and uh, I'm trying to continue to to talk about those things so they know what they're supporting. Um, but I think communication and content for for the for the question from Twitter, um, you know, I, I know sometimes an email can feel, you know, not like a personal touch, but I, I do recommend that you that we you read those Duke Club emails because we're trying to tell a story. We're trying to tell the student athlete story, our coach's story. Those are the things that that excite me about my job is, is being able to support them. They're obviously doing amazing things. Um, so it's it's a lot of communication. It's a lot of content creation for them, uh, for, for our student athletes, because we want them to control it and understand what philanthropy means too. So um, it's it's a lot of mass communication, which doesn't always feel feel like the best term. But, uh, you know, I, I want to continue to, to, to tell the student athlete's story. And I hopefully that will uh, will spark giving. Um, and I, I, I've already seen that from what I'm, I'm trying to do. Awesome. And Brad, I want to come to you because one thing we've said on this program is we really champion the fact that JMU Athletics listens to the fans. And I know that comes from a variety of different things. It's, it's not just the, 
you know, conversations like this or, or Twitter posts, but I mean, you're obviously putting out surveys to season ticket holders throughout the yeah. year. And, um, you know, last year, you know, you made some changes in terms of moving the, the visiting fans, uh, into a different section of the stadium. Um, you made incredible, uh, strides in terms of game day ops, in terms of what a game day experience, uh, was like for fans inside Bridgeforth, as well as the Atlantic Union Bank Center. I, I wanted both of you just to touch on, then we're going to get to, uh, you know, giving day and some other topics, but take us behind the scenes of how JMU processes fan feedback uh, and the role that that plays in terms of shaping your strategies, but also shaping um, what that experience is like for somebody sitting in a seat uh, in one of the venues on campus, because that's, I feel like that's a really important part uh, of how you continue to, to try to strive to be the best in terms of a game day experience in the Sunbelt. Um, but I, one thing I've heard, you know, you say, but I've also heard, um, Jeff Bourne said is when you're traveling to other venues, uh, for example, you're not just at a collegiate level, but at professional venues and other, you're trying to take some of the best tactics and best strategies from across um, the athletics landscape into, into making Bridge Four Stadium and, and the Atlantic Union Bank Center um, the best possible venues they can be for, for JMU fans. Yeah, you know, the one, there's many things that I love about working for, for Jamie Athletics and, and what they've done and what they stand for. But um, one of the biggest ones is we always strive to do the right things right. Um, it's not about cutting corners or, hey, we don't have the money to, to do it all the way. It's, well, we're not going to do it all the way until we have the money to do it all the way uh, and do it the right way for the student athlete experience as well as the fan experience. And that's something to be really proud of because we've been operating at an extremely high level at a level that you go to a professional sporting venue, you go to a, a power five school and you see how they run things. We're running it that way. We may be running it that way with less people, um, but we're running it that way. Uh, and, and we're making sure to, to get creative uh, and, and do things um, with less sometimes, but, but also making sure we're doing the right things right. And, uh, behind the scenes and, and taking the, the fan feedback is uh, we take it seriously. I mean, I can't tell you how many hours of meetings that Scooter and I sit in and, and go over that stuff. We do not take it lightly. We compile the data. We talk through it. We have good conversations. Um, we have done focus groups in the past uh, above and beyond the surveys. Um, I, I know sometimes when, when things happen on social media, you, you may not realize that it's it's out there. We're reading it, but we are. Uh, and we take it to heart because if someone has a bad experience or if someone's going through something, you know, that's a change we need to make. Uh, now, changes aren't always quick. Uh, there's a lot of things that go into a change, but we're considering it. And uh, one of the things that I, I tell my staff is, you know, our next full receipt of uh, football is in 2027. But I'm already thinking about how did it go last year? How can we make those changes over the next three years, knowing that change takes time? and make sure that that process is as clean and as enjoyable for the fan and, and the season ticket holder as possible. Um, and we put a lot of technology and a lot of things that you may never even see to make sure the lines go quicker, to make sure you're getting into the games, our scanners are working, buying new scanner, all that kind of stuff. Um, you may not notice it on, on game day, but we, we're going and working through it and evaluating it uh, every game and, and every season. Well, and John, John Butler, I, I was going to say, John, Butler, John Butler, John Butler wants you to know that the train whistle that was added to Bridgeforth was, he says, is the the best in-game uh, change in a decade. So just, just, John just wants you to know he's happy about that. But go, Scoot. That's awesome. Kudos to our marketing team. They did a lot of work on that game day atmosphere. Jonathan, awesome. I did want to just mention that from just just quickly. You know, I really think and I think hopefully the, the fans feel the same way. We, we took that survey last year really to heart. I mean, we sat and. And, and reviewed it. And, and I really think the changes we made within the stadium 
with the with the concessions and 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 all those things. I, I do think, and I got I heard great feedback from the donors um, that that those those changes mattered, and we we really did listen, and we we we, we care about the experience. I mean that 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 is really what Brad and I's job is, you know, is, 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 is making sure there is a great experience for the donor and fan. Well, and, and on top of that, it's not just you guys. I, I, I was really impressed this season of how the entire athletics department seemed to really be seamless in communicating things. I saw um, during the season, uh, Kevin Warner, for example, and Chris Brooks and others putting out stuff about um, that. There may be an, an entrance that many fans didn't know about that, that could increase, you know, your, amount of people that could get into bridge force in a more timely manner um you know setting off the cannon blast and other things to let people know um when's the right time to get in the stadium because that has an impact on the field as well and this was you know especially for somebody who's in communications on a daily basis i thought this was a, a much different way in terms of we communicated to fans this year and, and i think it made a direct impact on, on what the experience was like in bridge force um i will say here's my feedback i'm a mets fan so i, I always have like a, a desire to see like uh, Mr. Met, the baseball rises up in the Mets. I want to see like a giant Duke club dog come out of the, the uh, smokestack somehow. So make that happen well, for next season. I'm a, I'm a Met fan as well, so uh, we'll try <laughs> to make sorry. that happen. I apologize to you, but that would be awesome. <laughs> I know we're, we're suffering, but we're at a limit on time, and we want to be respectful to what you have. But really quick, yep. um, Scooter, there's uh, Giving Day this week. Um, yes. coming up and, and this is a really important time not just for jamie athletics but for the entire university uh in many ways that people can work to support um on top of just the website and how people can involve the big yep. thing i know about giving day and if you could speak to this possibly how can all of us help be kind of the the maybe an expansion of your team on giving day i know yep. there's like social posts and stuff that we can put out um just yep. speak to the many ways that our viewers and, and people out there uh, and we're going to put you on screen so it's just you so you can speak to this so we can make a clip right. for it um how can we all get involved in helping uh this thursday as a part of giving day yeah jonathan thank you for asking so yeah this thursday giving day february 22nd uh please mark your calendars uh very excited about this day it's it's all about donor engagement and getting being involved on the day um, I will say this is where you know I talked about um, you know how how do we do our outreach how do we how do we get to the masses well I do rely on donors and and the grassroots approach of of chime, you know tapping into their networks and I think Giving Day is all about challenging uh, it's 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 to challenge our alumni base to support um, you know so many great causes that the university has uh, and needs support for uh, with the the Jamie Duke Club being one of one of many so. What I what I encourage is 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 all day engagement. You know, if you're if you're seeing challenges and you're seeing great videos and our, our university's coming up with unbelievable content for the day, um, but it's 24 hours of you know what I think is a really really exciting day. You're seeing philanthropy uh, just across the board across our, our our alumni base and the energies there. As I talked about earlier, you know it's it's a 24 hour day of giving, and uh, you know what I think is best is is obviously support, but but challenge your friend, challenge your friend who maybe doesn't support, uh, challenge challenge family members, uh, you know who who have ever had a great JMU experience, which I'm sure they have, um, you know you know send an email to your uh, to your uh, office, you know whatever you got to do, spread the word about JMU Giving Day. It's it's a it's such a great day for our for our students, for our student athletes. It supports them. Uh, so I'm really really excited. Uh, my staff is ready to go. We got call lists. We're gonna have student athletes making calls on the day of. So uh, if you see a 540 number come over your phone, it might be a JMU student athlete. So that's always exciting. Uh, they are way better fundraisers than myself. <laughs> so I, I love when they get to uh, 
to call and interact with our donors and, and alumni on that on that day. So yeah, Thursday, February 22nd, JMU Giving Day. Please mark your calendars, challenge your friends. Um, it's such a great day to renew your Duke Club gift. If you haven't, um, it's a great day for, if you've never given to the Duke Club, become a donor. Um, I know I, I really care about over the dollars raised that day. I care about the uh, the donor number and how many people support. So I, I'm, I'm expecting big things because that's what JMU does. We're an everything school. And part of that everything school is that we're great donors too. Um, so I, uh, I'm excited about the day. Um, I did want to mention, uh, you may have received some emails, obviously, about Giving Day. Um, we also sent a Duke Club email about 110%. This is the 110% mentality that our student athletes come with. We want our donors to have the same. There's the great website. Um, but I, we're really trying to, it's, we're calling it the Year of the Dukes, and we're trying to have the 110% mentality, which is giving that little extra. Uh, so, on that day, it's a great opportunity to give that 110% and give that little extra. So you can see I'm I'm excited about it. It's uh I'll be I'll be thinking about it all week and uh I hope people are ready for uh for Thursday and to have a big day. Awesome. And I can tell you we'll be amplifying those messages, no doubt, uh, as well as I'm sure many people watching the show will. Um, Brad, before I get to my final question for you, because I want to touch on season tickets, we did have a user question um about the Sunbelt Championship and, and tickets for that. Um, anything you could touch on just to answer this question directly? Yeah, absolutely. So um the currently the, the Sunbelt offers us uh, a small amount of tickets that help us uh, take care of our player pass lists. So uh, we need to use that for both of the teams, both men and women. And honestly, one of the greatest things about the, the Sunbelt is they get us all together and, and they want to hear our feedback on how we can make experiences better for ticketing events and Sunbelt championships. And we actually have some conversations going with them on how can we continue to make this better for our fans? Are there ways that we can provide tickets and blocks for our JMU fans? Because I know that's been a big question of our fans of, well, I want to go, but I want to sit with JMU fans. I want to be with you. I want to, you know, maybe purchase through um, our ticket office. Uh, that's currently not something we're able to do. You will have to go to the Sunbelt Championship website and, and buy through the Pensacola Bay Center um, process. But, you know, we are working through that and, and hope in the future years that we can make things uh, easier and, and make it a, a fun event that we're at. we can, you know, tell all our fans, go here and, and you'll be with JMU fans uh, throughout the week. Yeah, awesome. John, John, John yeah. to that point, yeah. sorry. Just to, we're, we're, we have a, if you visit jamieduclub.com, we have a landing. It's a fan page for Pensacola. We're going to have events all week, uh, post up locations where, where the Dukes can hang out. So please visit jamieduclub.com and you can see our uh, our Sunbelt Championship landing fan land page. So please, please visit that. I'm excited. Awesome. And then, Brad, uh, last question for you. Just uh, many people starting to think about uh, football season coming up. Uh, been a lot of excitement around the, the coaching hire of Coach Chesney. Uh, if there are people want, first of all, renewing their tickets, but we know there's there's been talk about a waiting list for, for people who may not have season tickets. Um, what do you want fans to know at this point in time, uh, uh, trying to make that renewal process or, or trying to acquire season tickets maybe for the first time? Um, anything that you want to offer to, to help fans kind of navigate the process and maybe key dates that are coming up that people need to be mindful of? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, May 15th is our priority deadline. So you need to renew and, and make sure you have a payment at least established by May 15th. Uh, we do offer a lot of payment plan options, so we encourage people to get in there now so they can take advantage of that. Uh, all payment plans need to be done um, by August 1st before the season starts. Uh, so obviously maximizing that starting uh, in January and, and you know getting renewed now uh, in February to have the most amount of time to, to pay those off. 
Uh, if you want your same tickets, uh, you're guaranteed those if you had them last year. So the easiest thing for those people, if you want, just go ahead and renew and, and get those locked in uh, for 2024. If you are on the wait list, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a waiting game, as I mentioned, but you can give to the Duke Club on Giving Day and uh, boost your points and get your uh, work your way up that, that wait list ladder. Um, if you're a club seat holder, we have the March 15th deadline to get your agreement in. Uh, that locks in your price for the next uh, three years if you're a club seat holder, so that's important to note. Um, and then if you want to change your seats, this is a, a key one. Renew the seats that you have, but you'll have the opportunity during the selection process, which is in late uh, or early June, rather, after the May 15th deadline. You'll see what's available during your selection time. Everyone gets a selection time. You can move your seats if there's something available. You can add seats at that time. Um, and that's one of the keys is if you wanted to add a seat, we don't want to take your money and not be able to guarantee what that is. Uh, so we encourage you to renew what you have knowing that it's not guaranteed, but you can talk with our staff about your specific scenario. So fill out that form that's on our landing page that talks about what you want to do, what questions you have. We'll have someone reach out to you and be able to explain uh, kind of your specific scenario on how that works. But we're trying to manage and balance expectations while also not taking your money and, and not being able to provide that back to you. And, and, and that's a huge thing for us. And it's new territory being sold out uh, from last year and, and everyone being able to renew. So we, we could be sold out again this year and we hope so. Awesome. Well, guys, college athletics is not an easy business to work in. And, and I can say knowing and seeing you at, at games at, you know, seven o'clock at night start, you're not getting out of them there until after the fans leave and, and, and what goes on before these games and after the games for all your teams and interns and staff. Um, so just know from, from everybody here at sound off, your work is appreciated. Um, but more importantly to your work, it, it's the way you approach your jobs. Um, the transparency that you guys are, are always offering the, the, uh, accessibility that you, um, give to platforms like us and, and others, and just know that that goes a long way, uh, into making our athletic program as successful. As it is, it's, it's not just the, what happens in coaching rooms and and, and it, your guys are giving them the resources they need to make this happen uh, as well as making these venues uh, as electric as they've been over the last couple of years so um just know it's appreciated and we value uh, your time as well because this is a uh, all of us are fueling this everything ship as we move into the future and uh, we hope you guys come back and just know you always have a platform here uh to communicate anything you need to, to our fan base and and on behalf of everyone here um thank you for giving us some time today uh well that will give you some of your sunday night back <laughs> well, we're we're very thankful for for you all and, and appreciative that you give us you allow us to come on. So uh, I love what you guys are doing and 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 you're spreading the word about what it means to support the Duke Club and uh, we're we're lucky to have you guys as as great alums. Yeah, thank awesome. you. The passion you all have. It's great to be on here and, and I think it was mentioned earlier. We want to be able to be transparent and work through conversations and and get the answers through the source. So we're happy to to be on here and, and be able to to do that in the future as well. So thank you guys and, and go Dukes. All right, we'll go Dukes, and we'll. Sorry for the Mets fandom that I, I know. It's, <laughs> another baseball season's around the corner. There we go. <laughs> God knows what's Thanks, coming. Guys. Thanks, guys, again. Uh, and with that, we're going to transition to our next segment here. Uh, we wanted to bring on uh, somebody to speak to the ten-year anniversary of the Alpha Dogs program. Uh, and when we were thinking about potential guests, there, there's one name that kept popping up in all of our discussions, uh, and that was Joe Shoker. Joe, uh, somebody who is no stranger to people who know Jamie Athletics, they know Joe, um, and. 
Joe, to, to maybe somebody who's listening to this or um, who hasn't had a chance to meet you, uh, before we get into the Alpha Dog program, I wanted to give you a chance just to introduce yourself and your JMU story. Your family has a rich tradition uh, of supporting JMU, not just from the athletics perspective, but for the entire university. Um, so uh, the floor is yours in terms of introducing yourself as well as, uh, again, um, talking about the legacy that your family has had in shaping JMU to what it is today. All right. Uh, I just want to say that Scooter and Brad are doing an incredible job. Um, I got out in 79, so I've been a Duke fan and a football season ticket holder for, uh, gosh, 42 years. And uh, dealt with all the Duke clubs and all the promotional entities at JMU. And these guys are putting together the best I've ever seen. And they're doing it in the modern era of sports and uh in the in the digital era the internet era if you will and with communications and what uh, kevin warner is doing and and just everybody in the athletic program uh i love the lightning in the bottle quote that was fantastic and this is this is an all-time great thing that we're all experiencing right now jmu's the school of champions and it began in the 60s it began in the 70s and it's a gem for everybody that's been there, everybody that's competed in athletics and represented the school, and uh, everybody that's tied in now. My history goes back uh, into the 70s when I was Harrisonburg High School. Went there and had a, uh, had a good career in both football and tennis and won a lot of championships and wanted to go play college football. And I ended up at Virginia Tech, and that was a mess. And uh, so I came back to JMU and was able to letter there three years in football. And uh, we were good at Division Three. We were ranked number one in the country my junior year with CW Post. Uh, we were the first Division Three football game on the wide world of sports, ABC television. And um, I, had a, I had an enjoyable career. I was second team uh, academic All-American, which is one of my most treasured honors of, of being involved in both sports and and, and academics and being a student. Uh, and a guy came in my senior year named Scott Norwood, who was a place kicker. And so uh, I exited and, and on came that great athlete. And then in the next few years came Gary Clark and Charles Haley and the McMillan era was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And, uh, Chalice McMillan is a is a great man, and and I knew him, and I loved him, and I spent a lot of time with him in the last ten years of his life, uh, and he is who I call the father of JMU football. So I, I treasure that. I had many good memories there, and and both academics and athletics. I got out. I started coaching. Um, got very involved in coaching, and then as as time went by, I got more and more involved in the university. I was on the alumni board of directors for 11 years, uh, very involved in that. I was involved in the first capital gift campaign uh, that JMU had, and I learned a lot about I learned a lot about finances in college sports and in universities in general. I learned how important it is to give and give back to your alma mater. Uh, as alumni board member, we studied our peers in Virginia. And, and at that time, we were seventh among schools in Virginia for donor giving and alumni giving. 
And that may be in part to the fact that many, many of my peers were school teachers or nurses, but uh, that's changing. That demographic is changing, but uh, we need, we need participation now because it's a college, college athletics is an expensive endeavor. Um, I was very much, I was a physical education major. So I was involved in the Olympic sports and being uh, involved in, in all sports at JMU, be it gymnastics and, and women's basketball and tennis. And uh, I believe those sports are very important alongside of your revenue sports like football and basketball. And, and I've spent some time at UREC recently and got to know some of the kids in the club programs. You know, we're the school of champions uh, in intercollegiate athletics, but guess what? Our club programs in sports, be it women's gymnastics or soccer or softball, our club sports are nationally recognized with their success. So it's been a journey and it's been a, it's been a blast. Uh, the Shoker family now has four generations that have attended JMU football games. I have grandkids. My father was a uh, rector of the board of visitors and one of Ronald, one of Dr. Ron's best friends and spent a lot of time with Dr. Carrier. And uh, those are just treasured moments because we got to witness the, the growth and the building of what we see today. So much went into that since the 60s and the 70s and how it built and all the blood, sweat and tears that, that the people, the staff, the coaches, the athletes uh, put into it. And um, what we have now is a gym. It is a model university for the whole country and uh, I know my family and the Shoker family and the legacy we have and the legacy we'll leave is, uh, is the most dearest thing to my heart as far as, as my family goes and, and what we do now and how we spend our time. Well, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what your dad and, and Dr. Carrier did. And, and most people don't know that extensive history. And we won't get into it tonight because you and I could probably talk for two and a half hours about what your dad did. I, I met him twice um, in a meeting with Dr. Carrier. And um, I tell you what, to get those two together, and I think they could buy anything that they wanted to buy um, in Harrisonburg. <laughs> I mean, it was just amazing how well those guys cut deals and did stuff for that university that nobody will know until somebody sits down and writes the book, and maybe that'll be you. But um, I want to talk a little bit about the Alpha Dog program. Um, because you and I are on the board of the collective and then you and I've been on the, in the alpha dogs and this is the 10th year anniversary. If you could just tell folks, cause I, I know a lot of folks don't really know, you know, what we've done or what, what really the purpose of it was 10 years ago in 2014 and, and really how it's, it's helped the football program, uh, from that discretionary funding standpoint. So if you'll just kind of speak to that a little bit, I think that'd be great. When, when Mickey Matthews, uh, when his career here at JMU ended, uh, he had brought a lot of great things to the university and a lot of recognition and a national championship. And uh, what happened next, I refer to as the modern era of JMU football. And that was the hiring of Everett Withers. And um, the, the fact that he came in from Ohio State and North Carolina in his last two events there were 
building blocks and huge moments in the program. He, um, he called me on Christmas Eve Eve at 8 a.m. in the morning. And let's see, I'm getting, I'm getting a glitch here. Something's going on. You're, you're just frozen, but we can hear you. Okay, so you're all right. I'll, I'll keep talking. There, um, you're back. You're back now. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he called and said, this is Coach Withers. And I'm like, uh, as in JMU Coach Withers? And he said, yes. And he said, I said, well, good morning, Coach. And he said, we're putting something together. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put together a group of people that are JMU donors and JMU patrons and connected to the university and some ball players, some, some former alumni. And you were on a short list to call. And I said, well, I would love to do that. I absolutely would love to do that. <laughs> and um, he put together a small group at the time. Uh, there's probably 10, 15, 20 of us. And he wanted to do something that he had done at Carolina and Ohio State, which was put together a group of people that could support football and, and pick up where the university couldn't supply uh, funding in certain areas. And that gave birth to the Alpha Dogs, and that's what they called it. And the whole program was built around access. And um, the, the whole access thing was um, the fact that we could, we could be viewed as part of the team. We could be viewed as uh, insiders, if you will. And we were able to, uh, for a fee, to come into the program, support the program. We were able to get in on, on practices, get in on travel, get in on inside information with the program, uh, get around the coaches, and just basically have access that uh, was special with special people. And uh, Withers was here two years, and it grew. And he brought in a gentleman named Stretch, uh, John Stretcher, who is now the, uh, the director of personnel, I think, at uh, the Titans in the NFL. And that then that transition went to Coach Houston, to Mike Houston, who continued the program and uh, continued to do things for us and give us access and ways that we could support the program. So it became something that was a big, big moment and for me as a patron and as a donor was to be on that program and the sideline being down on the sideline for games and that type thing and then coach Signetti came in and continued the winning ways so we've been through three coaches that have succeeded right off the bat and the alpha dogs have been a part of that program and we've supplied all kinds of of uh fundings and resources and time on task with the team with coach chesney there now I'm very excited about that. He wants to he wants to expand the dogs. He wants to expand our access. He wants to expand our contributions. So it's a great way. It's a great way to feel like you're part of the team and you're part of, of what's good and what's uh, helping the team succeed all the way down to logistics and, and small things that nobody really knows about, but the dogs help out with. Yep. And you've got the, the helmets behind you. So we were involved in the helmets, but some of the things that people don't know we were involved in is prior to the alpha dogs, the team did not stay off campus or didn't stay in a hotel. 
Um, so the alpha dogs started that process of paying for them to stay in a hotel and then paying for the buses to bring them back to the stadium, paying for the nutrition, the nutrition stuff that they first put in when they had their first nutrition thing that they put in to help them recover. Um, a lot of things like that, I think that we were, you know, able to help and continue to help. Um, and if folks are interested out there, I'm going to have Jonathan come in and ask you a question or two, but if folks are interested, talk to Scooter. Um, the Duke club does run, you know, part of that piece with the alpha dogs. It's a combination partnership with the football program. But if you have an interest in being an alpha dog, talk to Scooter about that. Um, because it's a great group of people. It's a very good networking group of people. Make great friends with people um, that you you know you don't know much about until you get in there. But I've had you know ten years of, of a great time. This is our tenth year anniversary of doing it. So, you know, we want to thank you for and your family for everything too that you've done uh, for the university. Um, you know, starting with your your parents, of course, but you know you continued it, and we continue to work together on on a variety of things, which is fun. It seems like everything every time something comes up at JMU Athletics, you and I are involved in it, which is kind of fun. So I'll. I'll get Jonathan in here to ask you a couple, you know, a question or two about the Alpha Dogs if he has one. Jonathan, you there? Almost been around. There you are. <laughs> Sorry, my yeah, headphone completely what? popped off. Joe, what? I was going to ask you. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, just really quick. Um, so, you know, we talked about your legacy, obviously, and the legacy of, of the Alpha Dog program is the impact it makes. But there may be people watching this who, just in generally speaking, don't know what it takes to become an Alpha Dog. What? How can they get involved? You know, I know there's there's a lot of layers to it, but what would you want maybe just the, the general fan who's who's looking maybe to increase their support to, to the JMU Athletics you know, community, but also to, to helping invest in these programs to, to fuel them into the future? What would you want them to know um, about how they can learn more about this and how they can get involved? The Alpha Dog program uh, is it's available for anyone who wants to make a, an extended financial commitment to the program to the football program and that that gift goes to the uh through the jmu foundation and uh it is it is a charitable gift and uh they just need to to contact scooter or they can contact the athletic department uh they can contact me and uh we can get that process started but it is a financial commitment because it's a much deeper and more uh, involved access to the program and it's money well spent you know what steve said about the hotel thing uh jamu could not afford to do that so the alpha dogs picked that up and in mike houston's banquet the following year after they won the national championship he pulled the team and surveyed them and asked them what was the most important thing they did that they didn't do the previous year to win and they said get away on friday nights and when they said that, you talk about somebody's heart swelling up because I literally felt like I had something to do with that national championship because I was a part of the Alpha Dog program and that the money that I had donated to the program was well spent and had a huge impact on the program. And, and that's what we're about. So that financial commitment is something and it's, it's a pledge. It, it runs over uh, a period of time, but it's a way to really get deep and dive deep into the program uh, and get to know the coaches and, and mentor uh, anybody that's, that's available. They're going to start a mentorship program, I'm told. So there's a lot of good things that an Alpha Dog member can take part in. 
Well, again, you mentioned legacy a lot. You've mentioned impact, um, and that's what you all do on a daily basis with the Alpha Dogs is, is making uh, the ability of this athletic program to do more than they would without that financial support. And again, this has been an entire episode on ways people can get uh, invested in this program. Uh, and I just want to say thank you to all of the Alpha Dogs for, for your continued support uh, and increased investment because it's that type of um, engagement that has allowed this university to have that year of unprecedented success and is going to serve as the foundation uh, that this athletic department builds upon for future success uh, that we're all going to enjoy. So uh, again, Joe, thank you for for taking time on a Sunday, but also thank you to what your family has done for the university and what you'll continue to do. Uh, I know you're only getting started in terms of your investment uh, in terms of time, energy, but more importantly, um, your investment of the passion that you bring to this program on a daily basis. I'm somebody who's uh, had the pleasure of getting to know you for, for many, many years now, and, and uh, your passion for the athletic program is really second to none, and, and just know it, it matters, as we've said to anybody who invests in this platform. It, it's that type of, of you know support that allows us to continue to have the fun that we do uh, in these types of conversations uh, that we all enjoy each and every day uh, rooting on the Duke. So thanks again, Joe, for, for your time on the Sunday. Thank you. Awesome. We'll talk soon. And with that, we're going to transition into a quick final thoughts from the guys. Uh, really great discussion tonight, uh, starting with the the legacy of, of Lefty, but then obviously getting the perspective from Scooter and Brad and, and Joe uh, on ways to continue engagement uh, with this university as we grow this platform. Um, start with you, Steve. Uh, any final thoughts just on, on, on anything that was said today or anything else that's been out there in the, in the JMU world uh, as we we look towards what could be another big week for the universities? We try that those last four games for basketball, they're going to be on the road, um, but as well, baseball, softball, across all, all well underway and having success in the early going. Yeah, the women and the men both are on the road for the last four. Um, if you get a chance, get up to Harrisonburg and get some softball, baseball, and get some uh, lacrosse in. Uh, we were up Wednesday night to watch them uh, beat the ever-living hell out of Virginia Tech. Um, it was wonderful to be in the stands with the Hokie fans and to continue to turn to them every time we scored. And I just kept saying, please score 21. These people understand the, the term 21. Um, I was disappointed we didn't get to 21, but I was extremely happy to watch them play. Um, you know, give, and I, I'd like to see the Duke Club get to 10,000 and 10 million. Um, I want us to be like the Hokie Club is. The Hokie Club had a campaign where they, are, they did a campaign to get 25,000 members. They have it. Uh, their budget, their their goal next year, this year is $21 million to the Hokie Club. Um, with that, we can do a lot. We can add men's lacrosse. Um, we add men's lacrosse at JMU if we can ever do that. Uh, we will be a beast within four years. Um, University of Richmond played UVA really tough. Uh, yesterday. And I can tell you, if we can get a men's lacrosse team, it'll be a blast. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm looking into the future. I'm excited about where we're going. I'm excited where the university is positioned. Um, so I'm happy. And I know this is kind of our hot stove time because it's February and we're kind of looking what we're going in the future, but I'm happy with where the university is sitting, what we're going to do. So I'll leave it at that and turn it over to my friends. Awesome. Taylor, your final thoughts. So uh, how quick are these final thoughts? Because Please. I'm sorry. Taylor, just, the floor is yours, man. You know, there's just a lot to cover. I mean, we, we, we've had just such an incredible month. And I mean, just to evaluate this weekend that we've had, um, I mean, the basketball team tying not just a regular season record, but a season record in wins with two weeks left in the season and the conference tournament and whatever um, hopeful postseason would come after that. And, you know, they're sitting in a good position right now to get that top four seed. They're all they're you know. What I really don't want them to do, and I, I don't think they will if, you know, they went out like they should, 
you know, I, I don't want to want them to get that four seed because I believe App State and JMU are the two best teams right now. And I don't want that to be a semifinal game, but they look to be in a pretty good situation. Women's basketball, they're going to end the year with Old Dominion, uh, who is right in that top four, you know, area two. So the women's basketball team, they're in a good position. They control their own destiny to get one of those top four seeds for the conference tournament. Um, but really both basketball teams at this point are going strong. Uh, baseball. So I, I was mistaken. I, I thought it was a three game series with Arkansas. It's a four game series with Arkansas. So we have one more game uh, to go in this series that will be televised tomorrow. I believe one o'clock central time, two o'clock Eastern. I, I might be off on that by a little bit. So check the, uh, the schedules for that, but that will be televised on uh, online. Um, we do also with baseball uh, have their home opener this year, this week, uh, Wednesday against the Virginia Tech Hokies, always good to play them in anything and beat them in everything. Um, softball uh, is going on the road next weekend. They will face a top 25 team in South Carolina. They do get another shot at an early Sunbelt game in South Alabama, and I think that Charlotte's also going to be in that series as well. Um, women's lacrosse, as Steve mentioned, off to an incredibly hot start, number three in the nation, having two top 25 wins already. Um, they have uh, Albany. I, well, Towson's their next game, but they have a game against Albany coming up that's going to be at home. Another top 25 team, and I believe they go to Maryland after that. Another top 25 team. So women's lacrosse is going to have an opportunity to be really well tested um, with their regular season schedule. And, I mean, this is definitely a team that's going to compete for a national championship. And, you know, I'm really excited just about the, the conference that they are in for lacrosse. I mean, you have teams like Florida. You're, you were backing with Old Dominion. Um, I mean, just top to bottom, their conference alone is a great women's lacrosse conference. So all that to be said, shout out again to Swimming and Diving for the championship. Um, I saw online someone point out, as good as this season has been, that is our first Sunbelt Conference Championship this year. So um, I think there's a few more to come this spring. And, and but, uh, but, you know, shout out to Swimming and Diving for giving us our first conference championship. But just, um, you know, we, we said that this was an everything weekend with all the success we had. Uh, next week and the next few weekends with both winter sports ending and spring sports getting started, we have an opportunity to have a few of these weekends coming up. So uh, be paying attention to the, uh, to the Dukes. Get up to Harrisonburg where you can. And also with a lot of these spring sports, you know, a lot of them are traveling and playing some regional games. So you might have the opportunity to uh, not have to travel too far from home to go see a game or two. So get out there, check them out, and go Dukes. Awesome. Michael? I'll be pretty straightforward with this one. Um, if you're listening to the sound off, right, or maybe you're on the sideline outside looking in, whether it's for the Duke club, or even if you're intrigued with like the alpha dogs, um, instead of waiting for like a phone call, right. Or one of us to give you a nudge, like be proactive and lean in. Um, I can say a bit about this, like personally and also professionally that the JMU network and getting involved with this community has paid, has paid amazing dividends um, over the years. And I'm really proud to be part of it, but like be proactive. Lean in when you can. If you're seeing, if you're watching Jamie on TV, seeing on ESPN Plus, or you've been to games, like ask the question. Uh, call one of us, DM one of us, and ask more about the Duke Club. Or if you're really intrigued on the Alpha Dog program, that's something to really get involved in. So get involved. It's an opportunity to make an impact, be a part of something truly special. Um, it looks like we just had our first female Alpha Dog join as well. So, like, amazing transformational impact that we could have here as an organization. So lean in, jump on board, um, call us, DM us, text us. Um, don't sit on the sideline too long. Hop right in. 
Awesome. And the leaning in again starts Thursday. Post to social media. It's a day to be maybe a little more active on, on Twitter and Instagram. If you've got friends who you've been trying to get engaged with JMU Athletics, um, now's a great time because obviously you want to have that that surge of support uh, that we can have a big day. And that's the type of thing that this athletic department can advertise uh, to have more big days in the future. We've had, again, setting those records for wins, setting those records for attendance. Let's set a JMU giving day record this Thursday. Um, as we mentioned, the websites will be promoting them on our social channels uh, as well as making sure that we're all giving uh, as a part of giving day as well. Uh, but gentlemen, thanks again. I want to thank our sponsors one more time, Montpelier Collective, Skyline Financial Partners. Uh, thank you to Scooter, Brad, Joe, uh, for spending some of their Sunday with us. We're going to have a big show next week. We're not exactly ready to say who's going to be on it, but we've got uh, some exciting things to talk about next week that uh, we'll promote as we get to midweek. Uh, you're going to want to tune in next Sunday, guaranteed. Uh, but with that, thanks for everybody for tuning in. Another Sunday JMU Sound Off. Go Dukes, and we'll talk to you this week. Uh, another big week in JMU Athletics. Talk to you soon.